0: So, I gotta say, worship team, great job. Seriously, great job. Clap for them, and then I wanna say something else. This guy right here, Nick Barons, first night on the keys, let's give him a clap. <laughs> All right. I love Tuesday nights. I love hanging out with you guys. You guys are the best people in the world. I'm not just saying that. You are the coolest people in the world. And when I hang out with you, I feel like I'm a little bit cooler. So I hang out with all the cool kids of you and I. This is a good night. This is Tuesday night. Let's get excited. If you're down in the dumps, I want you to smile right now. All right? Smile. See? Let's do it. Keaton Hall. Wow, that's incredible. All right, so we are in our fourth and final week of our first sermon series of the year called Brand New. God put this series on my heart back in January, and it's kind of sad, and it's kind of exciting for it to come to a close as we look to the future and what God has for us, but but the heart behind this series has been that Jesus wants to make us brand new, that Jesus wants to forgive us of all of our sins, all of our flaws. We talked about the prodigal son the first week, how, how the younger brother ran to God, and he had screwed up so much. He had uh, been rolling around with pigs, been sinning, been been just showing his flaws, and he ran to his father, and his father embraced him with open arms. He talked about how that's how God is with us. He embraces us when we turn to him. Isn't that incredible? God's forgiveness, and God forgave so many of us that week. And then the second week, we talked about how Jesus can loosen the grip of sin off your life. You're not chained to sin if you're a child of God. Jesus can free you of that, and that was a powerful week. And then last week, we talked about how Jesus satisfies the deepest desires of your heart desires of our hearts. So if you've been looking for satisfaction, Jesus is the place you're going to find it. Now finally, it's week four, it's the final week, and we're talking about how Jesus gives us a great purpose. Jesus gives us purpose. So how many of you in this room love playing group games? Like just those big, okay, there's like, okay, there's a lot of us. Wow, Jake Volmar loves games. Volmer, I just learned that. To be completely honest, it's not my favorite thing to do. At least in my natural self, I don't really like games. You know, that's just the way I am. You know, I play Madden on the Xbox like once in a while. That's all I do for games pretty much. I'm pretty serious, but, and back in youth group, uh, I can remember every week at the beginning of service, yeah, Molly remembers this, Derek, uh, you know, we play some cheesy game, like musical chairs. We're all like 18. We're like, why are we playing musical chairs right now? Play hot potato or something like that, and I remember, I would always avoid these games. You know, I'd always happen to have a deep conversation right when games were starting. You know, Pastor Adam, I have this really important conversation I have to have with this other student, so just excuse me from the game, or maybe I would be in the bathroom for a long time. You ever do that at work, like you just go in the bathroom? Come on, we all do it. You just sit there for a while, and people are like, what happened in there? It's been like 25 minutes. Um... I was really happy, though, when I came to Chi Alpha as a freshman. I learned that we play group games here, and we do on the weekends once in a while. But here at service, guys, we're free. We don't have to play games at the beginning of service. Isn't that, that? Yeah, come on. Wow, isn't that great? Wow. But then, but then I transferred up to North Central, which is in Minneapolis, and we got involved with Chi Alpha at the University of Minnesota, and we started to play group games again. I was like, Lord, come on. But then my pastor explained to me why we play group games. He said, we do this because we want to build community. We want to break down walls. We want to get to know each other. And I started to think about it, like, that is kind of cool. You know, now I'm actually the one who set up a group game at the beginning of the year. We played group games. If you came first Friday of the year, we played uh, signs and something else, four on a couch. And it was a blast. It's competitive. But the coolest thing about it is we learn. The coolest thing about it is we get comfortable with each other and we get to know one another but the big thing for me was I needed to understand the why behind the what. Like, if you just want me to play a game, I'm not going to be that excited about it. But if I know the why behind the game, then I get excited about it. And I think this applies to life. Some of us are just living life, and we don't really get the why. You know, why are we here? Did we just, like, happen to show up on Earth one day, or maybe we evolved from apes, whatever? Did, is this all just an accident? What's the point of it all? Why are we here? And if we don't know the reason we're here, then we're not going to live life very well. We're not going to be very excited about life. So tonight, I want to talk about the why. Why are we here? Why has God placed you at the University of Northern Iowa this year? Why did God give you breath in your lungs? Why did God create you in your mother's womb? I just want to It's a really like foundational topic for Christianity, but I just want to go to the basics and talk about why are we here? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 3. Verse 13 through 15. Look at that. All the Bible's getting out. That is awesome. Let's go. Okay. So Mark is one of the four Gospels in the Bible. So if you're looking for it, it's about three-fourths of the way through the Bible. It's in the New Testament. There's Matthew, and then there's Mark, and afterwards is Luke. So Mark is one of the four Gospels, and the Gospels are the stories of Jesus' life and ministry. And I specifically love the Gospel of Mark, and really two reasons why. The first one is this. It's very short and to the point. I like to get to the point. You know, there's no Christmas story in Mark. John Mark was just like, I got to write this thing. I'm I'm skipping the Christmas story. I'm getting straight to the good stuff, which is Jesus' ministry. Another thing I like about Mark is it was actually the first gospel written. So if you wanted to come and get a fun fact today, Mark was written in 60 A.D., just 27 years after Jesus died and rose again and went to heaven. Isn't that incredible? 27 years. Think 27 years back. That would be 1989. It's not that long ago. I know for us, if you're born in the 90s, you're like that seems like a long time ago. But it's really not that long ago. It's crazy. These eyewitnesses came together and they wrote this gospel. It's the first gospel we have. So I know just as a or someone who likes to think or think uh, skeptically or think logically, it's like wow, this is very accurate. Like historically speaking, this is trusted. You know, there's more. There's actually more evidence that Jesus existed than Julius Caesar did. There's more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than Julius Caesar existed. Isn't that incredible? They don't tell you that in history class. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of sweet evidence that Jesus actually existed and he lived and died and rose again. And this gospel is very accurate, just historically speaking. And all the gospels are accurate, but this one we can have just an extra skeptical, say, hey, I trust this thing, just as a historian, just as a skeptical person. So I love Mark. And in Mark 3, we see that Jesus wants to have disciples to help him carry out his missions. He's doing it on his own a little bit at the beginning. But he needed people to come around him and help him and then to carry on his mission after he left earth. So Jesus calls the 12, the 12 disciples. Maybe you heard of them. Peter and James and John and Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. Jesus calls them and then Jesus gives them their mission. And one time about a few, or a few years ago, I was reading this and it just really made sense to me I was like, wow, this is the reason we do what we do. This is why we're here. It's right here, three verses. Verse 13 15, I really think this is the reason we're here. So let's read it. It says, and he went up on the mountain and called to him, or called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him, and he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, and here it is, so that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and that they might have authority to cast out demons. Three things, three points. Isn't that fun? We're gonna do three points tonight. Okay, main point is this though. Jesus makes us brand new by giving us purpose. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. For your word. We thank you for Mark chapter 3. We thank you for this awesome, or this awesome gospel you gave us, Lord. We pray that the words would jump off the page tonight, that you would convict our hearts, that you would show us where we're falling short, and that you would remind us how much you love us tonight. So God, we thank you. We praise you. This is all in your holy name. Amen. All right, so the main point, Jesus makes us brand new by giving us purpose. So based on this passage, like I said, I think there's really three elements to this purpose on earth, the purpose of our lives. Why are we here? What are we supposed to do when we're here? So the first thing is this. Jesus gives us the purpose of being with him. Jesus gives us the purpose of being with him. Are you with Jesus daily? It's a question you have to ask yourself. because if you're not, you're missing part of your purpose. Jesus calls us to be with him, to live life with him. So verse 14, it says, and he pointed twelve whom Twelve whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him. So the first purpose of every human being is to have relationship with their maker. It says that Jesus appointed his twelve so that, they, or so that they might first and foremost be with him. To just be with him. Jesus, the God of the universe, just wants people to be with him. That shows his heart. He just wants to be with people. He wants to be with you. So people would often ask, you know, why did God create What was the point? Was he just lonely? I heard that so much growing up, and I was like, that is absurd. He is God. Was God really lonely and just needed to create us so he could have a good life? Is God lonely? I don't think so. I think he's all-sufficient in himself. But I love what Tim Keller, and I quoted him last week, says in response to this question. I'm just going to paraphrase it. God exists in what we call the Trinity. So maybe you've heard of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Trinity has existed for all of eternity, and they've enjoyed relationship with one another. The three persons of the Trinity have enjoyed relationship with each other. It's a beautiful relationship. They're, they're one in essence. They're one God, but they're three persons. If you want me to explain that to you tonight, I'm not going to. Go ask a theologian. I am a theologian, but go ask someone that's really smart. Okay, so one God, three person, and for all of eternity, they have loved and served one another. So there's three of them serving and loving each other for all of eternity, long before we were here. And theologians like to call this the dance of God. The dance of God. Loving and serving each other. And the Bible says that God is love. And love, as we will talk about in February during our dating series, is the act of laying down your life for another another. Since God is love, he has to exist in three persons because if he's just by himself, he can't actually love anyone. He can't be love. God couldn't be love if there was just one person of the Trinity because love is serving someone else. Love is laying down your life for another. So God exists in three in the Trinity and for all of eternity, they've been serving and loving each other. That is why we have the Trinity. So all of eternity, they're dancing together, they're enjoying relationship and then God decides to invite others to partake in this beautiful relationship, to join the dance of God. He says, I want to extend this beautiful love, this this beautiful serving relationship to others. Therefore, out of God's love, he creates us. God creates us to share in his love and service. His plan from the beginning was to love us with all that he has, and we were supposed to love him back. Now, we stink at that one, don't we? supposed to be just like the Trinity, loving and serving one another. So out of abundant love, in the beginning, God created man and woman. And it says in Genesis that God walked with man in the morning. Think about walking with God. Isn't that crazy? Just walking in the garden, God picks a rose or something, picks a flower, just looking at it. Just chatting about the baseball game yesterday, football game. The Redskins, that's my team, it's terrible. I hope you didn't watch it. Talking about football. But we severed that intimacy and that relationship through our sin, through through man and, or through man and woman's first sin of taking of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and, and then eating of the fruit. And, and today we continue to rebel against God. But despite our rebellion against God, He is still committed to restoring our intimacy with Him. He's committed to inviting us back into the dance. We have each sinned, we have each earn separation from God. The penalty for our sin is death. We've talked about that every week, and each of us needs to pay that debt. But in the midst of our sin, God pays the debt himself through his son, Jesus, one of the persons of the Trinity, he comes, and he lives as a human, and he, or just think about that. God comes and lives as a human. That's crazy. Think about it. Let's, let's do something crazy. Just close your eyes. Okay, we're not gonna do that, but God becomes human, that's a crazy thought. And then God lives as a human and doesn't sin. He's tempted just like we are today. I read in Luke 4, the devil tempted Jesus with all these things like, hey, uh, because he was hungry, because he was fasting. He said, hey, take these stones, turn them into bread. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do that. He says, hey, if you just bow down to me, I'll give you the whole world. And Jesus says, no. So Jesus is tempted just like we are, but he never sins. And then he goes and dies on the cross for our sins, not his. He's, Jesus never sinned. He pays our debt on the cross. Okay, guys, I get it. It's 8.40. It's Tuesday night. You're tired. But Jesus pays our debt on the cross. Get excited about it. Come on. Jesus pays our debt on the cross. That's incredible. Jesus dies on the cross, and he pays our debt. Each of us deserves sin or deserve hell. We deserve separation from God. But Jesus absorbs that in a moment. Now, through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, we can enjoy relationship with God once again. Jesus bridges the gap between us and God, and all we have to do is accept that sacrifice and put our faith in Jesus, and then we can be with him once again. Through Jesus, we can love and have relationship with God, and this is our main purpose on earth. Above anything else, this is what it's all about. It's above being a good person. It's above making a lot of money. It's above having a nice family. God calls you to be with him, and if you miss this, you're going to be broken, and we get to the end. You're going to Think that you missed it. We need to get this. The first and most important commandment from Mark 12 30, Jesus says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and and all your strength. The call on every human's life is to be with Jesus and have relationship with him. So now that Jesus is on earth, how are we to be with him practically speaking? Yes, God has restored our relationship through Jesus' death and resurrection, but how do we actually walk with God? In day to day life, the disciples had the luxury of walking with Jesus, of doing life with him, of doing ministry with Jesus. Think about doing ministry with Jesus, just like praying for people. Boom, boom, boom. Jesus is like, come on, just raising people from the dead. Think about that. Getting to be with Jesus. These guys are getting to be with Jesus and they still struggled so much. That's what's crazy. Okay, so we're pretty awesome, I'm just saying. If you look at the Bible, disciples struggled. We don't struggle like they did. I'm kidding. We still do. But how in the world are we to be with God? Does it ever seem hard for you to connect with God? I know it does for me at times. But the beautiful thing is God has not just left us here alone. God has sent the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to come and guide us and lead us and protect us and direct us. And we can connect to the Holy Spirit through any number of ways, but I want to highlight a few things. And if this seems elementary to you, I'm sorry, but sometimes we have to go back to the basics. Okay, so let's throw up the first thing on the screen. We can connect to the Holy Spirit through daily Bible reading. I don't ever want to hear you, I'm, I'm not trying to sound mean, okay? So hold on, take a step back, all right. I don't ever want to hear you complain about not connecting to God if you're not reading your Bible. Don't tell me you're not feeling anything. Don't tell me, oh, it just stinks. I'm just not getting past the sin if you're not reading your Bible. Okay, I'm sorry. I kind of came down on you there. I'm gonna step back now, okay? But seriously, guys, this is the main way we can connect with God. God has given us this book to show us how to live life. He's given us this book to show us how to connect with him, how to have a relationship with him. He's shown us his master plan, and if we're not reading it, and we're not connecting to him, then it's our fault. So I encourage you, read the Bible. Just do one chapter a day. Do one verse a day. If that's where you have to start. If you're like, I do not want to read this thing. It's so boring, so old. Start with one chapter, or just one verse, but I encourage you to start with one chapter a day, and just work through it. If you need to know where to start, pick a book in the New Testament, although I would suggest picking the Gospel of John. Or you can do Mark if you want. Just pick somewhere and start. Okay, the second thing is this prayer. If we want to connect with God and be with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, then we need to pray. I encourage you, don't just give God your list, like, like the 25 things you need him to answer, which that's okay to do that. Don't just do that, but praise God and thank him for who he is. Like we were singing tonight, God, you are good. You are good. God, you're never going to let me down. That's praying right there. That's praying to God saying, God, you are so good. You're so good. I encourage you to pray like that and also pray for God to intervene in your situation. The third thing is to worship God through song. That's awesome. We love worshiping through song, but then I'm going to go a little crazy and say worship him with your lifestyle as well. So don't just worship him with song, but also worship him with the way you live your life. Honor God with the way that you treat other people, with the way that, that you treat him, the way that you honor your body, the way that you live life. Honor God with your lifestyle. Honor him with your lifestyle. The fourth thing is Christian community. So you're all here tonight, so you're in Christian community. Praise Jesus. Come on. And you're all going to go to Buffalo Wild Wings after this. I just know it. It's going to be awesome. You're all going to go to small group tomorrow and the next day. Come on. You're all going to fall retreat. Yes. Come on. Christian community. We need to dive into Christian community because we need other people to encourage us or sometimes rebuke us. You know, sometimes... My friends who are Christians, like they have to rebuke me and say, hey, man, I see some pride in you. Hey, dude, you're getting kind of greedy. Hey, man, I don't know. I was going to think of another example. I'm done with the examples. But have friends who can speak in to your life. Plug in here on Tuesday nights and plug into small groups. All right, so it's not only about being with Jesus. It's also about sharing Jesus with other people. So the second point is this. Jesus gives us the purpose of sharing his love with other people. Jesus gives us the purpose of sharing his love with others. If you're a Christian and you're keeping it to yourself, that's not very nice. Come on, you just got the, awesome, the most awesome gift in the world and you're not sharing it with other people? That's not nice. Marcus, that's not nice. I'm kidding, I'm not calling him out. He's great. All right. So verse 14 says at the very end, it says, and he might send them out to preach. So Jesus has entrusted us with the most important mission that the world has ever known. To share his love with other people so that people don't spend eternity separated from God. We get to share God's love with people so they can be restored to him. We get to invite others into God's dance, into that dance of God. We get to invite other people to join in on that. Each of us are called to share God's love with others. We're not just called to enjoy relationships with ourselves, but we're called to spread his love. So the second commandment is this, and or Mark 12, 31, Jesus says this. He says, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these two. So we're called to love others. And the best way, despite what culture will tell you, to love other people is to share the message of Jesus with them, to share the truth about God's love for them and God's plan. If we miss this, then we're missing our reason for living. God has called us to jump into the game <clears throat> of rescuing people from hell. That sounds pretty awesome. I mean, the hell part's not awesome, but the part about going and kind of rescuing people, that just sounds sweet. If you like video games, that's way better than video games. Come on. <laughs> God has called us to jump into that game. And the reality is, is people all around us are separated from God. They're, they're headed towards hell, and we get to try to intervene in their lives and point them to Jesus, the one who loves them so much. Think about that. The people that come by you as you're walking to the union or walking to class, they aren't just... Some dude or some girl, that's someone who God has a plan for. That's someone who God loves so dearly. And they're separated from their maker, and you get the opportunity to share God's love with them. Think about that. Isn't that a sweet mission? That's a good purpose for living. So Romans 10.14 says this. It says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So Paul is talking about how are lost people supposed to call on someone in whom they not believed, And how are they to believe in him of whom they never heard? And how do they hear without someone preaching? All of a sudden, you're all like, crap, I got to preach? Yeah, get up here right now. You're preaching. I'm kidding. But God has called, called each and every one of us to be preachers, to go out and share his love with other people. God has called us to proclaim the message of Jesus, and that doesn't mean you get up on a box outside the Union and and get your sign up and start just yelling at people that they're going to hell. That doesn't mean that, so don't do that. (laughs) That's you. I'm going to say, come on, we got to go talk. But but it means that you're willing to speak truth when God calls you to. It means that you're willing to point people to Jesus and speak it to them. You have to use your lips. The whole saying about uh, preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Preaching is proclaiming. The Greek word is caruso, and that means to, to herald or to proclaim. There's no preaching just by, just hey, I was nice to someone today, and I held the door for them. That is so cool. They're going to be a Christian after that. <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun of you. If you like that quote, whatever. All right, so the second thing is this. And this goes with that quote, okay? So I'm not just dissing that. The second way that, that we share God's love with others is also through the way we live our lives. So, yes, there is an element of that. <clears throat> so we're called to share the gospel with our lives. So 1 Thessalonians 2.8, if you're going to be in Calipa for a while, you're going to hear this verse a lot. And I actually think in two weeks, I'm going to be preaching on this passage the whole time. It's a longer passage, but so this is a sneak preview. Let's read it. So being affectionately desirous of you, we are ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, so not only preaching, not only sharing about the Bible and God's gospel. So if you don't know what the gospel is, just quickly, like when I say gospel, I'm not referring to the four books In the New Testament, I'm referring to the message of Jesus. I'm referring to God's redemptive plan. So when I talk about how Jesus pays our debt, how Jesus comes and dies for us, that's the gospel, okay? So I I realize that I use that word, and some of you are thinking, wait, we're supposed to proclaim Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to everybody? All right. So, So we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. So Paul says, I didn't only preach to you. I didn't only point you to the truth, but I lived life with you. I gave myself You You became very dear to me. So we're called to not only preach to people or to share the gospel with our words, but we're also called to share ourselves with them. We are called to live life with people. We are called to demonstrate the gospel through the way we live our lives. We are called to love people by sharing life with them. So one story I love, I'm going to talk about my youth leader again to tell, is of someone sharing the gospel with me just through the way they live their life. Is Pastor Adam, and he listens to these sermons. So woohoo! Adam, you're awesome. All right, so most of you know my story, and you know that during uh, my junior and senior year of high school, I, I called myself a Christian, but I was partying just just not living my life for the Lord, and I was still involved with church. I was still involved with youth group and all that. I played drums on the worship team, and, and I felt so guilty every time I was at church, so I just felt so guilty because most of the time I was hungover because it was on Sunday night, and I went crazy on Saturday, and I just felt so guilty, and I can remember one time in particular where I was just sitting in the sound booth, and Pastor Adam was... Just talking to me, just want me to share what's going on, and I started to, you know, share about uh, my struggle with partying, and and actually one of the big struggles throughout that season was just my parents being disappointed in me. They loved me so well through it, but they're also disappointed. And I just started to to weep and just say I'm, just how bad I felt that I was disappointing my parents, and you know I was expecting him to have some perfect answer for me to to say, hey, this is what you got to do. Or I expected him to preach at me or something like that, but all he did was just sat there and tears just were going down his face. He was just crying with me. He didn't tell me anything. He just hugged me, just said he loved me. And there were times that he pointed me to scripture, but in that moment, he just knew he needed to shut up and just hug me and cry. And that changed. That truly changed my life. And just a few months after that, I gave my heart back to the Lord. And I think that was one of the foundational things, the way he loved me throughout that season. He didn't push me away. Uh, so anyways, I think that's a great example of how we can show love to people and share the gospel with our lives, just being with people, just, just mourning with people. The Bible says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, or maybe it's the other way around, but, but God calls us to just be with people, be in the moment with people, love people, truly love them. They're not a project, just love people. So I want to give you a couple of practical points of how we can share Jesus in our culture. So how do we live the light of God, or how do we bring the light of God to our dark world in our culture, so, or so let me give you two ideas. The first thing is this, I encourage you to look for divine appointments in class, work, your dorm, even with your roommate. You know, they irritate you, but even with your roommate. I encourage you to, to look for those opportunities that God gives you to speak truth to them. So if you ask God to give you opportunities to share his love with people, then he will give you those opportunities. I promise you. He's not going to say, oh, like he wants to share my love with people, but I'm not going to let him. God's going to give you some awesome opportunities. So so one for me was back when I was in Bible college, we were talking about evangelism and class, and I remember feeling really guilty because I would not shared my faith with anyone for like a year. So I prayed that day, all right, God, tonight at work, I'm sharing the gospel with someone. And I was pumped, and then I forgot about it about 10 minutes later. And I went to work, put my headphones in, you know, because I worked in the back room at Target, was just going to do my thing. I'm kind of an introverted person. I just want to do my thing, get my job done. And then about two minutes into it, my headphones break for some reason, just stop working. I'm like, crap. So I take my headphones, put them in my pocket, and now I actually have to talk with my coworkers. <laughs> it was like the first night I did. It was like three months into it. Uh, and God gave me an opportunity that night. There's a coworker who's a few years older than me, and he just asked me, hey, what are you studying in school? And I told him I was uh, training for ministry. And boom, he wanted to talk. This guy's an atheist. He's a passionate atheist. And, and we just began to dialogue. And that conversation continued on for the entire or the entire year that I worked there, and he hasn't come to faith yet, but there were so many fruitful conversations that started with one day where I just prayed a bold prayer and said, God, give me a divine appointment. I encourage you, pray every morning. Say, God, give me a divine appointment. There are lost people all around you. God will give you the opportunity. All right, second thing is this. Look for potential new best friends. Look for potential new best friends, not projects, best friends. Come on, I want to be your best friend. Let's be friends. Marcus, come on. All right, so... So look for potential new best friends and spend time with people. If you're not spending time with people, if you're not open to have new friendships, then you're probably not going to share Jesus with anybody. Be someone who is open to making new friends, and, and then you will have the opportunity to share love with people. Because, because when you have a friendship, it's not just someone preaching at them. It's a friend sharing what God has done in your life. So be friends with people. Be a, be a likable person. That's my, that's my advice tonight. All right, so... Our two main purposes are to glorify God by being with him and testifying about him to the world, but I think there's one more thing that this passage talks about. Third thing is this. Jesus gives us the purpose of pushing back the darkness in our world. So Jesus hasn't just called us to sit by and hide out in our bunker until the rapture comes. If you heard about the rapture, it's where Jesus takes Christians from the world at the end of times. Okay, we're not going to get into it today, but don't just wait for the rapture. God has called you to push back the darkness in your world. God has placed you on this campus for a specific reason. God has placed you in this state for a specific reason. God has put the people that are, that are in your life for a specific reason. God wants you to push back the darkness that you see around you. So Mark 3.15 says, And have authority to cast out demons. Authority to cast out demons. That's what God calls us to do. Don't get excited, though. That's scary. Demons, that's scary. But Jesus didn't only call his disciples to preach. He didn't only call them to be with him, but he also called them to push back the darkness, to cast out demonic forces. And he meant it quite, or quite literally in this instance. There were stories all throughout the Bible, people being possessed and the disciples or Jesus coming and casting out those demons. And I hear these stories all the time from pastors and, and from missionaries and friends around the world that just the people uh, casting out demons. But today, I don't want to talk about that specifically. I want to take it a different direction and talk about how God calls us to push back the darkness in general. Jesus has called us to to, to look at our culture and to love the people in our culture, but to push back darkness when we see it through the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ and through through living out the gospel in day-to-day life. Jesus calls us to be people who bring his kingdom to earth. We're not just waiting to go up to heaven. We're trying to bring God's kingdom to earth. And one of the ways we can do this is by promoting justice in our world, by caring for the poor and for the needy, by caring for the orphan. To give to those who are less fortunate than us. To stand up against the evil and injustice in our world. To not be afraid to apply the gospel of Jesus Christ to every situation. The gospel is not just, or just about how you get into heaven. It, the gospel applies to every situation in life. And, and to take the gospel and apply it to our world and say, how can I bring the gospel to our world? How can I push back the darkness? God, why have you given me these passions and these gifts God's given you those passions and gifts to push back the darkness in that area of the world. God has given you your talents and your strengths for a certain reason. So Jesus has called us to live out the gospel in our communities by, by loving people even when they don't love us. It's hard, I know. People irritate me. I want to just kick them to the curb. But Jesus calls us to love them Jesus calls us to be quick to forgive. He calls us to serve others, even when they're not serving us, even when we don't get a reward, even when our name doesn't get put on a building. Jesus calls us to love and to serve other people. That's how we push back the darkness in our world. Jesus calls us to pray with people who have physical issues or illnesses and to pray for healing and to pray that God would push back that darkness. Jesus calls us to pray for people who have emotional struggles, who struggle with anxiety or depression. Jesus calls us to pray with them. Jesus calls us to love them. That's a way to push back the darkness in our world. God has called you to look at every situation through the lens of the scriptures and and to, and to ask him, how can things be made right? How can things be restored? God, why have you put me in this situation? How can I push back the darkness that I see in my world? How can I be someone who restores other people in broken situations? We need to look to the word and see what is broken in our world according to the word and push back darkness. Wherever there is darkness, wherever there is despair, God calls Jesus' followers to run into that darkness and despair and to bring his light God has called you to an incredible mission. If you think Christianity is boring, it ain't. All right. Four years ago at Fall Retreat, it's coming up this weekend. That's why I'm telling the story. A guy named Kyle came with us. He had just given his heart to the Lord and he was just getting plugged into Kyle. And he came with us. And Kyle was born with cerebral palsy. So he had a stutter. He couldn't move his fingers separately. So he moved him like this. And and Kyle had a limp. And and at the Fall Retreat, they gave us an opportunity. The speaker who spoke that you're speaking this year, He's awesome. Get ready for that. But, but the speaker gave us an opportunity to pray for each other for healing. And God put Kyle in my heart right away, and I was thinking, okay, like there's no way to fake this one. Like sometimes you have a cough. Wow, God healed me of the cough. And then you just don't cough for like 10 minutes, and later you cough. Like There's no way you can do that with Kyle. Like it's serious. You can see it right there. So I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to pray. And uh, some other guys came with us, and we prayed for Kyle. And in an instant, he started moving his fingers. I was like, what in the world? This guy is actually real. God is real. It was crazy, and then every week during worship, Kyle would go like this. During worship, he didn't even sing; he just like, just went like this. So God called a group of guys to be willing to pray for someone to heal. And in that situation, we pushed back darkness in Kyle's world. God has called you to do that. God has called you to get off your tush and push back the stinking darkness. Are you ready to push back the darkness? Come on! God has called you. God's given you a destiny and a purpose. God's given you gifts and passions. And giving you the heart that you have for a reason. God's made you sensitive to certain issues in our world for a reason. God wants to use you to push back Satan's plan on our earth. Come on. That's good. All right. So so I want to give you two thoughts of how we can do this. I'm getting really practical tonight. Like two thoughts at the end of every point. All right. So here we go. First thing is just allow the Bible to guide the way you live your life. This is your guide. Nothing else. This is it. This is the way that you live your life. So what this book says is good and what this book says is evil, that's truth. This is where we get our guide for life. If you want to actually push back darkness, or darkness, you have to know what the light is. You have to know what truth is. You have to know what God's plan is. So get this book in your heart and give it authority in your world. Like allow this book to show you how to look at the world around you. If you don't know the truth, if you don't know what true restoration actually looks like, then how can you restore things? How can you bring the light of God to our culture? So if you go by what you see or what you think, then you think, wow, I could never make a difference in this world. But the Bible says in Romans 8 that if God is for us, then who can be against us? You need to know that truth if you want to push back darkness. If we go by what we see, we'll think, wow, we could like, never bring, bring a Jesus revolution to our campus. But, but if you look in the book of Acts, you see the disciples were Bold and courageous men and women of God, and they took the gospel to the ends of their earth, or to, or to the ends of their, to the ends of the earth, in their day. So for them, it would have been like Europe, but but now we know there's North America. But so, anyways, the end of the earth, and they turned their world upside down. And we can use that and say, wow, we could do the same thing today because the same God who lived in them lives in us. If you look to culture to the world around you to tell you what's right and wrong, then you will not be able to bring true love and true healing to your friends who so desperately need it. If we look to culture to define what's truth and what's good and evil, then we're going to be really wacky. We're not going to be able to truly restore people. God has called you to allow this book to guide the way you live your life. There's no other source in your life that tells you how to live. It's, it's this book and the Holy Spirit. All right? Got that out of the way. We're talking about that next week, too. All right. Second thing is this. Use your passions and your gifts to shine the light of God in dark spaces. We can do this through any number of ways. So if you're someone who's musically talented, then use music to glorify God and to bring hope to people. If you're a teacher, then lead students to truth and refuse to adopt the philosophies of our day. If you're a businessman or businesswoman, be truthful and honest in how you do business and share Jesus with the people you interact with. If you can care for a child, which I don't think any of us can that are in college, then adopt. If God has blessed you with resources, then give to those who are less fortunate. Care for the impoverished. Love those who are downcast and broken. The list goes on. I don't have time to go through every single thing you could do, but there's a lot of things. So use your passions, use your gifts to push back the darkness. So I like this quote from Frederick Beekner. Uh, it says this The place of God, the place that God calls you to, is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. So I think we could change this phrase a little bit and say the place that God calls you is the place where your deep passions and the world's deep needs meet. That's where God calls you. Think about that. Where are my greatest passions? Where are my greatest needs? Or where are the world's greatest needs? And how can I combine those to push back darkness? Get creative. Use your passions and your gifts to set things right. God has uniquely gifted you And only you can do what he has called you to do. There never has been and there never will be anyone like you. There's no one besides you who can fulfill God's specific call on your life. Use your talents and your strengths and your gifts to bring God's light to earth. Isn't that good? Come on, that's good preaching. All right, worship team, you guys come up. Look at me, I'm going so fast. It's 9.05. It's awesome. I'm just going to wait a second, because I feel like whenever the worship tune's getting ready, no one's hearing anything I say, so I'm just going to take a drink. <laughs> All right, so the main point tonight is this. Jesus makes us brand new by giving us a purpose, by giving us a destiny, by giving us a calling. I believe that God wants to use you, specifically you, to bring hope and to bring light to our campus, to bring hope and light to your community, to your world, to your sphere of influence. God has called you to bring light. I believe that God wants to show students all across this campus that they have a purpose. There's a reason they're here. It's not by accident. And he has a destiny for their life. And God can use you to speak that truth to them. Isn't that incredible? And the Bible says we have the Holy Spirit who can guide and help us. It says that when you don't have the words to say, the Holy Spirit will speak for you. Take courage. The Holy Spirit is with you. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can help you to push back darkness in your world. I believe God wants to call each of us to embrace our divine design and to live life the way that it was meant to be lived, to use the Scriptures to define how we live our lives, to not look at any other truth to say, this is reliable, this is accurate, this is God's Word to us, and I'm going to use this to determine how I live my life. I'm telling you guys culture is going to tell you that this book is crazy it's or it's antique it's hateful but in this book you'll find life you'll find truth god has called us to use this as our guide and to live out our design on this earth and to show people that that following jesus is better than anything else this world has to offer god has a purpose for you he has a destiny for you don't let anyone tell you different he has a destiny for your life and we need to show other people that that God has a purpose for their life I don't know where you're at in your journey but I truly believe this I'm not just saying this because it's a cute catchphrase or that Ben Rector came out with a song called brand new I'm not just saying it because of that I believe that Jesus wants to make us brand new every single day it's not just a one-time occurrence it's every single day saying God I trust you God, I repent for where I've screwed up. God, can you use me for your purposes on the earth today? God has called us to be a new people. It says his mercies are new every single morning. God has called us to embrace that and to live life as new creations, as new creatures on the earth. And God has not only called you to be made brand new, but he's called you to go make people brand new, to make our society brand new. The world is getting wacky. Just watch the news, just... Listen to Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton say something. It's getting wacky. But God has called you to step into the darkness and to bring light in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the riots and all the stuff going on in our world. God has called called you specifically to be light to this earth. As it gets darker, we're going to shine all the brighter. God has called you to shine your light, to not put it under a basket, but to shine it for all to see. Don't be timid anymore. Do not try to hide your faith from other people, but be a bold and courageous woman of God or man of God and, and live the gospel out in your life. Live the gospel out in this community who so desperately needs Jesus. That's your purpose. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ and he is a new creation, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is your call. This is our call to be new and to make things new. And this is the heart of our series. We need to be restored to our maker and help restore other people to their maker. I pray that this sermon series wasn't just a cute series where you just learn more about Jesus or listen to some stories, but I pray that you have tasted what God's purpose is for your life, that that God has a destiny and a purpose for you, that he wants to call you out of hiding and into the light and into true intimacy with him. God's not calling you to half-hearted following him. He's calling you to go all in. Let's do it. I've been saying it every week. Let's do it. Let's go all in. I said last week, do whatever it takes to get closer to God. Do whatever it takes to be the new creation that God has called you to be. Do whatever it takes to make other people new. It's never too late to become the person that God created you to be. It's never too late to live out the purpose that God has called you to live. It's never too late and you're never too far gone or too screwed up to be used by God, take that truth home with you tonight. If you would stand with me. Jesus wants to give you a fresh start and send you out to your friends. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes with me. So we have two questions every week, and the first one is this. If you're in this room, and if you're honest with yourself, you haven't been in a relationship with God, you haven't been following Jesus. You haven't given your heart to Him. Or maybe you did in the past, but you've walked away from that. And tonight, you want to actually step into the calling that God has for you. You want to step into His purpose for you. If that's you, nobody's going to look around. This just between you and God. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Nobody's looking. Is there anyone in this room? Is there anyone in this room? All right. Second question is this. If you're in this room and you're a Christian... But if you're honest, you haven't been truly living out your purpose in day-to-day life. You haven't actually been being with Jesus by spending time with Him and and communing with Him, or you haven't been sharing Jesus with your friends, or, or maybe you're not pushing back the darkness in your world. Maybe you're contributing to the darkness, but tonight you want to make a decision to live out God's call on your life, that you want to make a decision to walk in that. If that's you, just raise your hand. Tons of hands going up all across the room. God, see our heart see our cry. You can put your hands down. God, we want to live out our purpose in this world. God, we want to live out our destiny. I pray that you call us to be a people who do not embrace darkness, who do not embrace lies, but people who push back the darkness, who push back the gates of hell with the gospel. God, I pray you call us to be those people. I pray that you call us to be a people who spend extravagant time with you, who are truly with you, and truly walk with you day in and day out. God, I pray that you call us to be people who preach the gospel, both with our lips and with our lives, to our friends and to the community around us. And finally, God, I pray that you would empower us to push back the darkness. God, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's worship him.